Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hey, thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'll be playing the role of Brian Kilmeade, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West at the bottom of the hour, talking about the chaos in Austin at the border and what Texas is doing to try to get hold of their own border situation. And Beto O'Rourke makes it clear he's thinking about, he's exploring, he's mulling, running for Texas governor. Kind of cool. He is a terrible congressman. He was an awful presidential candidate. Totally unworthy. Uh, and uh, and without any discipline at all. You please tell me why Beto O'Rourke thinks he can win uh, the governorship. We'll take a look at that. Uh, also, we have the Secretary of State going to meet Benjamin Netanyahu and then um, uh, the Palestinian Authority's leader, Abbas, at which time you have to say to yourself, what's he doing there? I mean, we know Netanyahu, okay, but Abbas has no authority. He wasn't the one who said, okay, he rained 4,000 rockets down in Israel, and then in turn Israel would... Uh, hammer them su- significantly. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. They are not being put in the hotels as a staging ground for removal, which is how hotels were used in the past, albeit sparingly. The hotels are being used as reception and welcome centers. Uh, unbelievable. Do you know what we're talking about, Stephen Miller? We're talking about What's happening with illegal immigrants? It's just a bad idea. Moving illegals to hotel rooms. Maybe they can get their towels cleaned. Maybe they can get room service. Allowing the border to be overrun as we get a true look at why illegal migrants are crashing our country. Number two. We continue to work on the process. And I think it's, we had good, good progress over the weekend, I thought. And we made a lot of progress over the weekend. Um, we, still have, we still have a lot of work to do. Doing a deal. Why police reform is close, infrastructure isn't, and why we should be worried about both. Number one. Well, it's striking to hear Jen Psaki say that the Biden administration is really pushing uh, to get more information about this by pressing the WHO, whose record on this whole issue has been appallingly bad and was one of the leaders in dismissing the theory that the virus could have emanated from that Wuhan lab. Unbelievable. Uh, that is true. The WHO, though, is even upset with their own final report. That was pretty Hume. The search for the true origin of the pandemic is suddenly gaining national attention instead of global derision. Why? Why? The Biden administration better stop punting on the issue. They're going to be sorry. Just like punting on the border has not made it go away, neither will this. Why? Because everyone can relate to this. 500,000, maybe 600,000 dead by the end of the week due to the coronavirus. And then around the globe, look at those horrific images out of India and Brazil. We're not out of this. If you look at the color code, with red being the worst, Africa is now on fire with the coronavirus. And we're efforting to get our vaccine, which works and China's doesn't, to as many people as possible while getting the rest of our country vaccinated. But all along, I've always been curious, 
why more people weren't curious about how this started. Really, someone ate a bad bat, a bat bit a pendolin, and that uh, pendolin infected a human. And next thing you know, we have all Washington State and all of Italy on fire and uh, hospitals are overrun. I never bought it. Didn't seem logical. And why are you protecting the Wuhan lab, a lab in which Tom Cotton came up to on our very show and started saying, got a huge problem with this Wuhan lab. They would do some crazy research, and in that crazy research, they very well could have activated this whole pandemic. People said, you're crazy. That's way out there. How dare you do that and jeopardize American relations? We just got phase one of a trade deal done. Anthony Fauci said this thing's not going to be a problem. It's not going to really hurt us. There's no way to asymptomatic spread. It can't spread from animals to humans. Wrong, wrong, and wrong. So here are the headlines uh, that we see. Today, in CNN, lab leak COVID-19 theory is something out of a comic book, a virologist says. That is March 2021. Out of a comic book. May 24th, CNN. New information on Wuhan researchers' illness furthers debate on pandemic origins. What are they referring to? Three researchers at the Wuhan Institute, according to uh, our Wall Street Journal reporting, came down with the virus and had to be hospitalized. If they did that, I'm not talking about last year. I'm talking about 2019, November. They told us their first case was December. Just one of the many lies. Reuters, 2020, about this Wuhan lab leaking. China. China lab says conspiracy theories hurting efforts to curb the virus. Ironically, it's just the opposite. If you could be candid on how the virus started, ask the world for help, maybe we wouldn't have millions dead. May 23rd, 2021, Reuters. Wuhan lab. Staff sought hospital care before COVID-19 outbreak, disclosed by the World Street Journal. Wow. Reuters changed their tune. Glenn Greenwald, a liberal writer who is a true journalist, says major media outlets spent a year demonizing the lab leak theory as an insane conspiracy theory. Fact checkers pronounced it false. Those, uh, those suggested that it was banned online on grounds of disinformation. Mainstream outlets are now forced to admit its viability. Any accountability? No. There isn't. But the relentless Jamie Metzl, you saw him on 60 Minutes, you see him on here all along. Here is one thing that he speculated on our show back in April. Cut six. If the databases have disappeared, if the Chinese scientists won't say what viruses were held, specifically what viruses were held in these institutes, and they're blocking researchers, reporters, or anybody from mm-hmm. going to that mine. It doesn't say, oh, yeah, the China's totally transparent. They're really being open. They want to get to the bottom of this. It tells me, and I think should tell everybody, they are actively trying to hide something. So that should make us want to know and, frankly, demand to know what is being hidden. If Joe Biden can do something better than Donald Trump, because Donald Trump was ever into it, he could round up allies. He knows all these guys and these women. He could call up and say, listen, we need a united front here. We need to get answers right away. And there needs to be punishment for this behemoth economic emerging superpower, uh, which has emerged, China. And maybe pull, yank them from the WHO, begin to pull manufacturing out, whatever needs to take place. But don't be surprised if Democrats don't get on board. It is because they're compromised by lobbyists. Simple as that. Mike Gallagher has done a lot of great work on this, has noticed he now has company in wondering when China's going to come clean, cut nine. This is the biggest intel failure since 9-11, and it needs to be investigated. And more to the point, we're giving our foremost adversary, the Chinese Communist Party, a gift. 
Look no further than Alaska, when their diplomats sit across from our diplomats and they lecture us about the dangers and evils of racism in America. They're co-opting the woke narrative. They're co-opting the critical race theory narrative that too many on the far left are using every single day. They're, they're turning us against ourselves, and we're giving a gift to our foremost adversary, and it absolutely has to stop. And if you reject that, then I think all Americans should just get behind the simple idea that we need to get to the bottom of this crazy virus and pandemic that has upended all of our lives for the last year, if for no other reason than we don't want it to happen again, and we don't want our taxpayer dollars to fund this type of research and this type of incompetence. So what Jamie Metzl is referring to, he's an advisor to the WHO, former Clinton staffer. What he's saying is what China's doing to fight us is to try to upend us from the inside. Well, what has America always had problems with? Well, race relations, being back to the Civil War, my goodness. Uh, Civil Rights Act, 100 years later. And then uh, Black Lives Matter that has emerged. But is China fanning the flame to keep us divided so we don't unite and focus on them? The answer is absolutely yes. Russia showed them how to do it. But they're in our schools. They're lobbying our lawmakers. Uh, they're part of the economic fabric. They're all over big corporate America because, and even the NBA, for example, the WWE, all these leagues make billions of dollars from the Chinese in order to get their loyalty. And it's sad, but we have to realize when we're being manipulated. The fact that in Alaska a month ago, they would say, don't you come down on us just because we have Uyghurs in concentration camps. You still are treating the African-Americans and slaughtering them every day in the streets. Really? Where did that come from? Were you reading the Chicago Sun-Times or something? The answer is yes. And maybe they're helping write the story. And maybe, I'm not saying Asian hate isn't happening, but if you want to stop America from saying China virus, say that the China virus is causing hate on American Asians. So then that gets it to stop, and China gets what they want. They don't have any linkage with this. Here's Mike Pompeo, Cut 13. It was outrageous to see scientists, even government, U.S. government scientists, who were denying this when they surely must have seen the same information that I had seen. That, that includes certainly Dr. Fauci as well. Mm -hmm. We need to know what happened here. The Chinese Communist Party knows what happened here. They know who patient zero was. They know precisely where this began. These three individuals who became sick, the symptoms were consistent with what someone would get that would be, be symptomatic of if they had COVID-19, the Wuhan virus. We need to get to the bottom of this because this could happen again. All right. Uh, I just want to bring this up before we go to break and then take calls at one 408 So the infrastructure deal, I don't think the Biden administration, judging by what they cut, when I first heard they went from 1.7 to 1.4 or 1.4 to 1.1, whatever it was, there's still a trillion dollars apart between—it's unbelievable, right? A trillion dollars apart between Republicans and Democrats. Right? So what did they cut? They just moved it. They moved it to another bill. So everything's there. And what they did is moved out legitimate infrastructure. You know, the, the roads, the bridges, the broadband. Uh, we, elder care is not infrastructure. Child care, preschool, not infrastructure. School lunches, not infrastructure. So what they're doing is setting Republicans up to say— uh, they, to look as if they don't want to deal, have them shrug their shoulders and say, Joe Manchin, really? You saw how hard I tried to get a deal and you saw the Republicans walk away? You better vote with me, Kristen Cinema. So look out for that. And then they'll go vote. If they get the votes, it'll be $4 trillion that we can't pay back. Police reform. Word is Tim Scott and Cory Brooker are on the same page. Cut 19. 
So we continue to work on the process, and I think it's, we had good, good progress over the weekend, I thought, and um, I think we can see the, uh, the end of the tunnel. I think we are, we're starting to see a frame. We made a lot of progress over the weekend. Um, we, still have, we still have a lot of work to do. I'm going to be pulling long days uh, all this week in hopes that we, uh, uh, by the time we come out of the weekend, we have, uh, we have more and more of this framework being put together. My worry is what's in it. You can't agree to qualify immunity. I don't think you can agree from what I saw in my police uh, features that I did to no-knock warrants. Make it maybe harder to get the permission. But if there's an armed drug lord behind the door, I'm not knocking. And if you tell me I have to knock, I'm not going in. How does that help anybody? Problem is Tim Scott and Cory Booker, as great as they are, they're not cops. My hope is law enforcement is at the table before a decision is made. I'll take your calls on that. So that's why I fear both. One, walking away from infrastructure allows him to get the $4 trillion on a party-line vote as he does something called reconciliation. Number two, I worry about police reform. If they agree and police are hamstrung, you're not going to have many police, and they certainly aren't going to be as effective. I'll take your calls. We'll also talk about what's happening at the border. But I'll do that around uh, the other side. Uh, we have a lot of new affiliates to, today and tomorrow and hopefully forever. Welcome aboard. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Getting past all the rhetoric. It's Brian Kilmeade. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. What do you think of President Biden? From what I hear in the news, he's a better president. He'll give asylum. He will help. Not like Donald Trump, who didn't want anyone to enter. This president, from what I've seen, is much different than Donald Trump, and he's different and away from migrants. So you're confident you're going to get asylum? Whatever happens, either I'll get asylum or I'll cross illegally. Whatever happens, the mission is to make it up north. 
So in case anyone's wondering if the border's open and if they understand the perception of Joe Biden, the immigrant president, according to the Mexican president, that is a Honduran who PBS is following from their country, Honduras, all the way through to our country, where, as he says, I'm going to get asylum. If not, I'm just going to sneak in. But it's now worth it. It's a go sign to go there. Name is Johan Guerrera. Uh, that's a Honduran immigrant. Meanwhile, there's this other story that we're spending $87 million on migrant hotel contracts. And it turns out a lot of the guy, the guy running this hotel contract is a big donor of President Biden. No bid contract. Got it. So now you're putting these kids in, or families into nice hotels. I'm sure they're getting free towels and room service. No wonder they're coming here. They're probably living in squalor. They have a come here to get treated like kings. No other country does this. No other country does this, democracy or otherwise, period. Senator John Kennedy, cut 30. If you believe the border is closed, you believe in the tooth fairy, the Easter bunny, and that Jimmy Hoffa died of natural causes, uh, we'll have two million people come into the United States this year illegally, thanks to the Biden administration. They have no idea who they are, except they're coming from all over the world. Uh, the Biden administration has almost completely halted any kind of deportation of people already here illegally. America has been has become one giant sanctuary city. It's crazy. If you were president, one of the only things you can do, the thing you can do every day is guard our borders with our defense and with our border patrol. He's choosing not to do it. He just let 100,000 Asians basically get green cards. Why? They might be great people. They might not. But do we have a system? Or is he just going to get up in the morning and just say, I'm into changing America, and I just want to make sure uh, the Democratic Party prospers for years to come? What about the country? Eric, uh, you're listening on WDBO in Orlando. Hey, Eric. Hey, Brian, just want to add, you just used a really scary word, infiltration. Think about that. But uh, I, wanted, I wanted to chime in about China. They got some audacity to talk to us about racism. You don't want to be a Muslim in China. Not only is Muslim illegal, but if you are a Muslim, you're in a labor camp. So let Le- LeBron James dwell on that. But uh, the media is all compliant with it. Um, Back back when I lived in New Jersey, I used to hear a woman that was on your WABC right after Bob Brant named Joy Behar. Ugh. About a month and a half ago, she said, oh, 9-11 was so 20 years ago, get over it. You mean like slavery lady? Ugh. Your take on all this stuff. That's a great point. Uh, yeah, let's get over it. Uh, let's get over, yeah, how about the Civil Rights Act? Uh, think about where the progress we've made. Let's uh, rewrite our history. Let's not go, let's go against our foreign policy. Let's uh, forget about law and order. Uh, let's make sure that we get a lot of handouts. We have universal income. Let's just try to upend the American social and capitalistic model. No one ever talks about capitalism anymore. So meanwhile, we can't even get on the same page on the Wuhan virus. Doesn't make any sense to me. Never has. But it, the, the hatred of our country is pretty prevalent. And that bothers me. Uh, governor Whitmer is hysterical. This woman is the worst governor in the country. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. And if she said yes to Joe Biden, word is she was about to become vice president. Just absolutely terrible. Her lockdown rules that her husband broke by putting his boat in the water when she said, I didn't travel. She gets caught on a private jet going to Florida, says it was my own vacation. It was a mistake. Private jet, $27,000. She pays $800, and they don't think that is a scandal. It is. So yesterday she lifted, she goes into a bar and supposedly made all these ridiculous regulations. Can't have more than six people. She's at a bar without a mask at a restaurant with much more than six people. She apologized for it. And then yesterday she was getting harangued for it. So she came out and apologized says, well, all I could say is I said I apologize and the pizza is really good there. But the other thing I would add with Gretchen Whitmer is that she reversed her policy My hope is the business people will throw her right out of office because she is terrible for business. She made Michigan's pandemic uh, condition so much worse. Uh, That is Gretchen Whitmer. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Colonel Alan West. Will it be Governor Beto O'Rourke? Does he have a legitimate shot? Brian Kilmeade, Joe. A lot to talk about. Don't move. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. show like no other it's brian kilmeade this is a message to all the activists and leaders out there that are condemning anti-semitism and condemning terrorism right now stop it stop you are not helping all right you are playing their games it's a distraction we've been condemning anti-semitism for 20 30 40 years if they didn't believe us by now stop it stop it just stop it it doesn't help uh no kidding one uh, 408 Let's bring in Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Colonel, the Secretary of State is meeting with Benjamin Netanyahu and uh, I think Mahmoud Abbas of the Palestinian Authority. What would your message be to them? For, first off, to, well, what would Blinken's message be? Well, I think that the message should be to Mahmoud Abbas is, do you align yourself with Hamas and what's happening in the Gaza Strip? Will you stop uh, allowing any safe harbor for Islamic terrorism and jihadist organizations like Al-Aqsa, Al-Quds uh, Martyrs Brigade, to be there in the in the West Bank? And so I think it is without a doubt a time that we go back to operating under the Ronald Reagan mantra of peace through strength. And just remember this, Brian. Uh, in, for the past four years, we didn't hear about rockets and missiles being fired. 
when President Trump decided to move the embassy from Tel Aviv up to Jerusalem, the rightful place for the American embassy in, in Israel, uh, we did not hear any about any violence, blood in the streets, or whatever, because there's only two things that they understand that part of the world, and that's strength and might. So when Tony Blinken goes over to the Secretary of State of the United States of America, he needs to show that he has some, uh, some oomph and some cojones, if we can uh, put it that way, or else he's going to get run over. Yeah, well, or not being paid attention to. Big story today how over the last few years, Israel has been really trying to decouple from us, not to break up with us, but not be so reliant. We give them $4 billion a year just in military, but they're building a lot of their own stuff. They're getting our economy growing. It is almost a miracle because they have almost no natural resources. So mm-hmm. they're trying to, to get off the $4 billion uh, money pipe because both parties uh, try to pull the strings because they write the checks. Yeah, that's an important thing to be considering, because if you go back to the Obama administration, when the last time we saw a lot of the rocket and missiles attacks and utilizing the tunnels, and that was Operation Cast Lead that the uh, Israeli Defense Force, uh, they commenced with, the Obama administration started dangling the, we won't provide you any more Hellfire missile support unless you stop. And we're starting to hear the same ruminations coming out of the Biden administration. So as a sovereign nation, Israel should not have to worry about their weapons and arms armaments and uh, their supply chain, much the same as we have our medical supply chain coming out of China. We need to decouple from that. So Israel is not going to put its defense in the hands of the United States of America, which can change, as we have seen just recently, with the changing of an administration. So I want you to see what uh, big, uh, first off, Beto O'Rourke wants to run for governor. Does it worry you as a Republican? No, it absolutely does not, because when you think about how much of a failed candidate uh, Mr. O'Rourke is, and we call him Robert Francis down here, that's his real name, uh, there is no way that he is going to be able to be successful in Texas. Beto O'Rourke, Robert Francis, is an open borders ally. He he is firmly behind this agenda that we see undermining the sovereignty of the state of Texas, and Texans are not going to turn this state over to a radical progressive socialist Marxist like him. Uh, I would hope not. Uh, that would be crazy. And he has shown he doesn't study. He shows he doesn't uh, put in an effort. He wants to take down a wall and take everyone's guns. Uh, that's not a great start in Texas, I wouldn't think. When it comes to no, big tech, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, no, it's not a good start at all. Right. So let's talk about what big tech is doing. We know that they're marginalized people uh, on the conservative side, and people just sit back and take it. And for those who think they're paying the price, they're not. Facebook and Twitter. Amazon had never been higher or more lucrative. I love what Governor Governor Ron DeSantis did yesterday, though. Cut 32. This is something where big tech has amassed a massive amount of power. They are monopolies. They're monopolies that are much more powerful than the monopolies of the early 20th century. And they're using their power uh, to enforce orthodoxy and to suppress speech and candidates that they disagree with. The bill we did today, Sean, goes beyond just the political candidates. And people can find we have the whole rundown at rondesantis.com. But any Floridian who is deplatformed or censored would potentially have a right to sue big tech. We're making tech be transparent on their algorithms and on their terms of service and the criteria they use because they don't apply it fairly. Yeah, that is totally true. Uh, But big tech has never been more lucrative. The crackdown has not been effective. But now a $100,000 fine if you take me off and I'm a Florida resident. And what they say is no reason. 
so you can take me off. Now, I'm not sure legally how much money we can get, but let's get these guys on their heels. Facebook sit there, got through the election, wanted to make sure uh, wanted to make sure what happened to Hillary didn't happen to Joe Biden, and they went out of their way to do it. So big tech is making big progress. So Ron DeSantis says, I'm suing on behalf of my state, big tech, whoever deplatforms anyone in our country. Cut 32. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, cut 32. Ron DeSantis is, is rolling with it. Now, the question what Ron DeSantis has to say is how would this affect him? One of the things that happened to him, he had this roundtable, at which time he talked about the origin of the virus and about different things that should happen with masks. Do you know that he puts it on YouTube and they took it down? They said it was dangerous. Mm -hmm. The sitting governor. Do you believe this? Well, it's amazing what is happening between with these uh, big tech uh, social media platforms. They are far more dangerous than Pravda ever was back in the old Soviet Union because they are controlling messaging. They are controlling the, the narrative that is out there. And so what you see Ron DeSantis has done in Florida is what many of our other states, our conservative red states with Republican governors should do, and they should make sure that big tech cannot come in and do that in their respective states and start putting together you know, the ability for citizens to file class action lawsuits against them because this is without a doubt a complete violation of our First Amendment rights, the freedom of speech, the freedom of expression. And and now we're getting into the, the freedom of conscience. We don't even have that. A governor cannot sit down and have a, a scientific or a factual-based discussion about an issue because it, it goes against their dogma, goes against their ideological narrative. So this is a great step uh, by uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, and I hope that uh, many other governors will follow suit with this. A lot of times Texas does. Uh, Chairman of the Republican Party of Texas with us now, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Colonel, you guys have made some changes to your election laws. They say it's to make uh, give Republicans advantage. What should people know? What people should know is that we're trying to make it uh, easier for people to vote, but harder to cheat. When you think about the Harris County uh, clerk, Chris Hollins, who was also the treasurer of the Texas Democrat Party in the last election cycle, he completely tried to violate Texas election law by mailing out about 2.7 million unsolicited ballots. He also uh, instituted this thing called curbside voting in nine different Democrat precincts. Uh, that's against Texas election law. Uh, and Harris County is the largest county in the state of Texas, third largest in the United States of America. We cannot allow this to happen in our states. We need to have constitutional practices, and that's a big concern with H.R. 1 or S. 1 now from the federal government level, trying to say that they're going to have universal mail-in ballots across the country. Uh, no voter ID anywhere in the country. No review of voter registration rolls. This is the Democrats trying to uh, codify into law the unconstitutional actions that they did in the last election cycle, and furthermore, they're trying to nationalize elections. But this has nothing to do with voter suppression, but it has everything to do with voter fraud, which really is voter suppression. And then you have the Alamo. People get into the history of Texas. They're trying to say the Alamo was just an example of white supremacist, uh, stolen land, and they're, they're uh, lauded uh, for no good reason. And they basically said, you guys fought the Texas Revolution for slavery. 
Yeah, uh, I, I find that hard to believe. I think that when you look at the real oppressor that was General Santa Ana, you think about some of the inhumane things he did and completely murdering and executing all of the defenders at the Alamo and also uh, at Goliath, La Bahia. And, and so this is part of that whole revision of history. Not really revision of history, Brian. You're a great historian. It's the elimination of history. Uh, you know, my ideological mentor is Booker T. Washington, incredible book that he wrote uh, up from slavery, his autobiography. Now we have the leftists saying that maybe Booker T. Washington wasn't even a slave. Maybe he didn't even write his own autobiography. And this is what they're trying to do is completely change the narrative. Everything that does not agree with the leftist perspective mm. is white supremacy, is racist, or what have you. Texans, uh, now there's a measure. The Texas legislature is putting together a measure that would allow Texans to carry handguns without a permit. That's under a bill mm-hmm. headed by Governor Greg Abbott. That's uh, heading to Governor Greg Abbott's desk. Yeah. Do you believe it's he's going to sign it, and do you think that's a good thing? Well, he said he was going to sign it, and I think he needs to sign it. Uh, and this is called constitutional carry. The bill is HB 1927. In full disclosure, I'm a board member of the National Rifle Association and a life member of you know so, several other uh, gun advocacy organizations. Texas would become the 21st state with constitutional carry. So 20 other states already have it. Bernie Sanders has constitutional carry in Vermont. Mitt Romney has constitutional carry in Utah. Well, constitutional carry says that if you are a legal law-abiding American citizen that can pass the 4473 ATF background check, then that firearm is yours, and you should be able to carry that firearm. You should not have to ask for a permit within your own state to be able to carry that firearm, which you can legally and lawfully possess. And that's your constitutional right. Now, if you want to get a permit, a concealed carry permit, that is so that you have reciprocity if you go outside of that state that you reside in. And, you know, Texas has reciprocity agreements with several other states. And so that permit allows you to do that. But you should not have to get a permit for your Second Amendment right. We don't have to get a permit for freedom of speech, freedom of expression, although maybe we may have to in the future. But, you know, freedom of religion, you, you don't have to have a permit to go to church. So, you should not have to have a permit once you pass your 4473 background check. That, okay, you do have a background check, so that would be key. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, nothing changes about that, and yeah. that's the misinformation that is out there. This is not just about people going in and buying a handgun, then they go out and they play like they're wide open Doc Holiday. No, you have to go through a 4473 background check. And Brian, understand this. I served in the Army for 22 years. I was a member of the United States House of Representatives. Every time I go and purchase a, a firearm, I have to go through a background check. It, no one says, well, you know, he passed his last background check. No, you have to go through a new background check every time. That's why this narrative from the left is nonsensical. Absolutely. Uh, Colonel, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, exciting times. You would think that the lull in between midterms would be boring. It's anything but. And I think it has a lot to do with the radical programs Joe Biden's putting out and what's happening at your border before you leave. What is the what are you guys legally allowed to do, being that that's federal, a federal job at the border? If you put your rangers on the border or your cops at the border? Well, if you go to Article One, Section Ten, Clause Number Three of the Constitution, and Article Four, Section Four of the Constitution, that's where the founding fathers give 
the uh, the respective sovereign states the ability to defend and protect their borders. The founding fathers referred to this as an invasion, uh, and if there was imminent danger and the states could uh, act without admit to delay. I just did a, a little video. Uh, I was just uh, east of El Paso over the weekend, and I just showed people this is where that wall ends, and nothing is, is out there to keep the cartels or anyone else from just walking across into the United States of America, and I-10 was maybe about 15 miles away uh, with clear eyesight. So we've got an issue, and states need to step up and protect their sovereignty since we have an abdication from the Biden administration of their roles and responsibilities and constitutional duty. Yeah, they're going right from, they're going right from the border to hotel rooms. Fantastic. Just going to get you more kids. Uh, thanks so yeah. much. Appreciate it, Colonel. Always a pleasure. Take care, Brian. one 408 When we come back, we'll take your calls. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. If someone told you it's either started in a Wuhan lab where they were testing viruses like this or a bat bit a a penguin and someone ate it, what would be the more plausible theory? (laughs) I don't know. I would assume the guy in the lab coat and the goggles. I hadn't heard the thing about the penguin. Uh, The penguin? Or is it penguin? How do you say it, Joel? Do you know? Penguin? Stand by. Yeah. It's P A. Peking? It, no, no, it sounds like penguin, okay, but it's penguin. Sorry. All right. sorry I asked that. But, uh, <laughs> turns out that is an animal that is sold at those wet markets. That people uh, eat, thank you. And people eat this animal? Uh, yes. And it looks like an armadillo. Yes. Not Very something you want to take a bite out of. For me, I don't nope. even go to wet markets. If something's wet, I wait for it to dry. So that was part of uh, our conversation on Fox & Friends that is now at the top of Mediaite, which is a, which is a media website. So, pandolin, pandolin is what I was supposed to be saying. Pangolin. Pangolin? Pangolin. Pangolin. So it sounded it, like you said you just about had it right the very first time. I heard the L so subtly in there. Right. But then Steve heard penguin, and then it just all went downhill. Because he doesn't even know what I was talking about. He thought I said penguin, but I meant pandolin. Uh, and so it's this one bit another... And that's how this virus started. He said, that's no way that can possibly be. But it wasn't Pei King, though. At least we know that. So that's what she thought. I was talking about Peking, which is the, which is the, which is the Chinese food, I think, and the old capital of uh, China. Peking uh, duck, I believe. Yeah, Peking duck, which was not what I was talking about. So, and on it, uh, so we were talking about how that was out there. And I went, yeah, of course that happened. I go, wait a second. We're supposed to believe that. We're not supposed to believe where this actually took place in the Wuhan laboratory where they're doing risky experiments. There's something leaked out of there. Then the Wall Street Journal does a story, and it's not that big of a story. It's big, but it just reinforces what we've been discussing, that three researchers all got sick with COVID-19-like symptoms and two were hospitalized. Australia backs that up. They also, their Five Eyes Intelligence Unit, says that their intelligence yields that this may have come from the Wuhan lab, but when you bring it up, there's... Hell to pay. So when Australia said, I got a huge problem with your story, they got they got uh, blasted by China with tariffs. And in fact, Jamie Metzl was on the show and he said that when Australia came back, they paid uh, came out and uh, 
with their belief that this was not necessarily intentional, but from the Wuhan lab. Listen to what happened. Cut seven. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison early last year was raising some pretty tough questions about COVID origins. And China blasted Australia. They cut back on imports into China of Australian uh, copper and beef and wine and, and many other of, of Australia's essential exports. And they were delivering that message, hey, Absolutely. don't ask tough questions or you'll be punished. And then the Australian oh, proposal exactly right. for a tough resolution at the world, it got completely watered down. And that was kind of the what yeah. I've called the original sin. And that's the problem. And that's why we seem to have backed out. Mark, you're listening online in New York. Hey, Mark. Hey, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, the shows have been great lately. Thank you. So you say when it, when you've been fully vaccinated, you said, right? That's true. Um, yeah, but actually, I wanted to get something else out of the way. I'm actually an author by trade, and uh, I'm actually dealing with it. Yeah. Uh, so he was saying that he's been fully vaccinated, and what I think he's referring to so Rand Paul, who has been – listen, I've had problems with Rand Paul in the past, and but he believes what he believes, okay? Rand Paul came out and said, listen, I'm not getting vaccinated. I, I had the virus. I have the antibodies. I'm not getting vaccinated. That caused him to get death threats, and he is now – has FBI going through his mail because they found white powder in the mail, primarily because he came out and says, I'm not getting vaccinated. Do you believe what's going on in this country? Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Matt Schlapp. One of the most powerful people in Republican politics, chairman of the American Conservative Union, host of CPAC, and former political director for President Bush, his wife Mercedes Slap, a Fox News contributor in the past and worked for President Trump. He'll be on with us in minutes, and Dr. Nicole Sapphire will be here. We've got to make heads or tails over the origin of this virus. Also, she's got a great new book out, out today, talks about how politics played a role uh, in this virus and how it really hurt us in the long run as it took a toll on science. This just in. President Biden and uh, Vladimir Putin will meet in person June 16th in Geneva. Uh, the goal of the meeting is expected to take place uh, somewhere, um, okay, in Geneva sometime, uh, I guess, more just one day. Uh, Putin is slated to discuss issues like Iran, North Korea, nuclear capability, Syria, the Arctic, uh, arms control, climate change. That's a big agenda. And make the relationship a little bit more predictable. You think so? And maybe he'll turn the screws and have the ceremonial opening of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which would really make uh, the Western Europe basically energy enslaved to Russia. And Joe Biden just signed off on it. Good job. All right. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. They are not being put in the hotels as a staging ground for removal which is how hotels were used in the past, albeit sparingly. The hotels are being used as reception and welcome centers. That is sickening. Stephen Miller on primetime last night. Just a bad idea. Moving illegal immigrants to hotel rooms so they can get towel service and room service, allowing the border to be overrun as we get a true look at why illegal migrants, immigrants, are crashing our country. 
Number two. We continue to work on the process, and I think it's, we had good, good progress over the weekend, I thought. And we made a lot of progress over the weekend. Um, we, still have, we still have a lot of work to do. Well, doing a deal, why police reform is close and infrastructure isn't, and why we should be worried about both. Number one. Well, it's striking to hear Jen Psaki say that the Biden administration is really pushing uh, to get more information about this by pressing the WHO, whose record on this whole issue has been appallingly bad and was one of the leaders in dismissing the theory that the virus could have emanated from that Wuhan lab. There you go. Uh, The search for the true origin of the pandemic is suddenly getting national interest instead of global derision. Why? The Biden administration... Better stop punting on this issue. It'll blow up on them like the border did. Uh, let's bring in Matt Schlapp, chairman of the American Conservative Union. Hey, Matt, you how many times did you hear uh, attacks at the president of the United States when he brought up the fact that that lab was there, or Tom Cotton, when he said that Wuhan lab is too close to where this all started? He was very suspicious of it. Now it seems to have come all the way back. And from Reuters on down, they're entertaining this, uh, this possibility. Yeah, and, and and it was racism to call it the uh, Chinese Corona or the Chinese or the China virus, and, and the president apparently being sued for that. Look, this is insanity. It, it's almost like the major, most major news outlets at the national level and the global level. Uh, you know, when they tell us something is absolutely not true, it almost now means that I believe that it's probably true. And it, it always made sense that this is exactly the, the most likely scenario. You know, when I was in school, Brian, it was a long time ago, by the way, um, there was this theory called Occam's razor that we learned in philosophy class. And it meant that you kind of go for the simplest explanation first. You don't jump to the most complicated. And the left, it's always the most complicated. Right. Uh, so some of the headlines from last year, Senator Tom Cotton repeats fringe theory of coronavirus origins. Washington Post headline, June 25th, 2020. New research explores how conservative media misinformation may have intensified the severity of the pandemic. Really? Let's fast forward to May 23rd. Uh, Forbes report Wuhan lab staff went to hospital with COVID-19-like symptoms before confirmed outbreak. Let's go to Reuters on May 23rd, 2021. Wuhan lab staff sought hospital care before COVID-19 outbreak. New York Magazine writer calls out liberal media for dismissing COVID lab leak. Things have kind of changed. Yeah, the other piece of this is the carnage that happened in China. Um, You know, they always say we had the worst number of cases in America. And of course, that couldn't be the case. Um, We have the best health care in the world, uh, but we had the most deaths or near the most deaths as a percentage of our population. No, the reason is, is because closed countries like China don't tell the world what's happening inside their border. And what we know about this virus is it uh, infects human beings. Uh, no matter where they live. And uh, and it's created, you know, terrible tragedies all over the globe. And it's not wrong for us to want to know how it started. It's not wrong for us to want to know if this is like biological warfare. It's not wrong for us to ask really tough questions. And instead, the left wanted to blame CPAC for the initial outbreak, which was outrageous. They wanted to blame Donald Trump for not handling the viruses, if you can handle a virus. Instead of looking through the origins and making sure this never happens again. The certain things are out of your control. No one said the president was responsible for the pandemic. You're not responsible uh, for hurricanes. But how you respond is how you judged. And what the Biden administration has made it clear that they say the WHO and world investigators will decide what happened there. 
And listen to Jen Psaki get pushed yesterday. Cut one. But with 589,920 dead Americans, at what point does President Biden say, we don't want to wait for the WHO, we don't know what they're doing, this needs to be an American-led effort to get to the bottom of what happened? Well, first of all, we need access to the underlying data and information in order to have that investigation. And, and why not? But he talks all the time about how he's known President Xi for a long time. So why can't he just call and, and we need and them. him for that information? I think you're misunderstanding how this process actually works. An international investigation led by the World Health Organization is something that we've actually been pressing for for several months. Is that going to work? We're asking the international organization to do this, uh, and is that the way it works, Match Lab? No, I mean, that's how we got into this mess, which is the idea that uh, we're back to the old model where the American taxpayer pays all the bills for these global institutions, uh, and these global institutions try to affect policies in America. And the fact is uh, our American president, and Joe Biden is my president, he's our president, uh, should be taking the lead to do everything to protect the American people. And part of this is China is not a trustworthy ally uh, in this question and in so many other questions. And, you know, I don't need global experts to tell me what's going on with the virus. I can talk to American medical professionals to know what's going on with the virus, and we should be able to make our domestic policy based on that. So over the last four years, it seems like the Republicans were trying to hold on to the advantage they had. Now that they've lost the advantage, barely lost the House, 50-50 in the Senate and the White House, now we're seeing Republicans seem to have a bounce in their step. I'll trust your, your stats better than anybody's, and your phone calls and your text messages more than any stats. But between the the spending that's coming out of the White House between the inflation that's taking place affecting 330 million Americans in some way, shape, or form, between the chaos at the border, between what's happening around the globe, I'm wondering if that's your best advertisement on why Republicans need power back. Are you getting that sense now there's a new sense of mission? Yeah, look, I talked to Lee Zeldin today. He's running for governor in New York. What's happening in these let's, – let's remember this, Brian. Even the racial chaos that we've had with the tragedy of George Floyd's death happened in a socialist-run state of Minnesota in the city of Minneapolis-St. Paul. The craziness that's going on in our dysfunctional and broken big cities from San Francisco to New York uh, to you name the, the big city is, is, is not getting lost on the American voter, including Democrats who have cops and military folks in their families. They want jobs. They want to be able to go to church. They want their schools to be open. The insanity of this new Socialist Democratic Party is causing everybody to rethink why they – even those who didn't vote for Donald Trump who because were upset that he was mean sometimes, and he was, and tweeted sometimes things he shouldn't have done, and he did. Uh, he also implemented a policy agenda that really gave the forgotten men and women a fighting chance and Remember what he did for veterans. Remember what he did for funding the military. Remember that he had the cops back. Uh, there's a lot of people rethinking the idea that we needed to get rid of Trump. And now they're saying, hey, we've got to get these policies back. And the first step in all of this craziness is to make Nancy Pelosi stop. You mean just retire. And that is, yeah. and that is to, w- yeah, to win the House. Beat her. Take, take away that gavel. I mean, think about the craziness of a January 6th commission, when they when the Democrats have endorsed the violence of Black Lives Matter and Antifa, 
for a year and a half. But no one's called it out. No one said, hey, you know, there's a way to be peaceful and, and disagree with policies of the cops and others. But you don't, you don't burn down churches to get that done. Uh, there's no commission on that. that. That's what's really been gripping our country. And, uh, and why are they allowed to run around and say it's racist to have a filibuster or it's racist to have a nine-member Supreme Court or now racist to have voter ID? They're creating racial animosity and real chaos in our society. And I think common-sense Americans – you don't have to be a conservative to feel this way anymore. You just have to love your country. Even though it's imperfect, you love it, and you want to make it better. You don't want to rip it apart. They're trying to rip it apart, and I don't think that's going to be a popular thing in November of next year. I, I'll tell you what. I know things are going bad when the Joe Biden's administration tries to look for distractions. Remember? Hey, let's get rid of the masks. I just looked at the data. I forgot to check the pie chart this morning. And they did because he had a terrible week of uh, inflation and terrible job numbers, let alone what's happening at the border on a daily basis. Now, all of a sudden, we see this story this morning that they're going to revisit whether Donald Trump uh, obstructed justice in the Mueller report, and they're going to get Don McGahn behind closed doors, his former attorney, to find out what Donald Trump tried to do last or three years ago or four years ago or didn't. That's the distraction they need. That's the programming CNN wants. Uh, I'm very worried that uh, what, what tends to happen when Democrats get elected into the White House, I don't know where Republicans get investigated like crazy. And uh, in the four years of Donald Trump as president, it just seemed like Donald Trump got investigated like crazy. So we don't use our power uh, to go after our political opponents because, you know, that's wrong. Uh, that's directly it's a waste contrary of time. To, yeah, but, but I fear that's what's going to happen again. Stay tuned. Let's see if Donald Trump and his allies now have years where they, uh, they're gone after in a legal way. I, I fear that that is what is going to start to happen. Well, one thing I would trust would, by the way, I'm talking to Matt Schlapp, chairman of the American Conservative Union, host of CPAC, former political director of President Bush. Matt, I want you to hear what President Trump told Dan Bongino yesterday. Where are we with 2024? You, we, we, we need you, man. We need you <laughs> big time. You, you thinking about it? Are you leaning one way? We'd love to hear it. Well, I'll tell you what. We are going to make you very happy, and we're going to do what's right. And we've done a great job for the country. Rebuilt our military and had the greatest economy ever twice. You know, we rebuilt it, and the world collapsed with the whole world collapsed with it. And then we built it again with the stock market was higher than it was even the first time. Uh, but we're going to do the right thing. What do you think he means by that? Uh, do you think that he's virtually in? What kind of indications do you get uh, when uh, are you looking for? Well, you know, I'm headed to Bedminster with Mercy here in a couple of hours. So maybe uh, maybe I'll learn something, Brian. But my take on the conversations I've had with the president, I won't relay the specifics as they're private conversations. But, you know, I think he's seriously looking at it. Um, I think he wants to be at his best. Um, uh, he wants to be able to, he knows it's a job where you need a lot of energy. It's all day long. Um, and he wants to make sure that, uh, he's in a position to do that again. And I think he also wants to kind of see how Republicans do in the midterm. If you, know, you asked me earlier in this interview, if I thought that there was a really, uh, kind of like a pushback in the country, I believe there is, I believe the border, the chaos of the border alone is going to give the Republicans the seats they need to win back the house. The Senate is always a little tougher. Uh, equation, but I think they have great chance in the Senate as well. I think if that happens, I think the president seriously has to consider uh, running. Now, look, everything in uh, Trump world around him, the politics around the man, um, is always more complicated than the man himself. I, so, in the end, he'll make this decision 
in his own gut on what he thinks the right thing to do is for the country and for himself. I think most people will clear out if he does outside maybe uh, uh, Liz Cheney, but we'll see. Liz Cheney, you know, Nikki Haley, maybe there's someone. Nikki Haley says she will not run if Donald Trump does. Who, Who won't? Nikki Haley. She says that. I just say let's let's watch this thing. Um, you know, a primary could be the best thing for Donald Trump. By the way, you know, he showed when he ate up those sixteen or seventeen others on the stages. Um, you know, not having a primary for Donald Trump uh, could be a, actually a bad thing for him because he, he the drama of all that he rises to. Right. Uh, I would say the one thing I worry about from his perspective, and I think it looks terrible in the country. These investigations on his businesses that took place before he was even. In office. Outrageous. And that's the one thing Outrageous. that they could trip like him I, up like more I than I told his health. You, Brian, yeah. Well, like I told you, I really fear that if uh, the Biden administration uses their time in office to now go after people who are perceived as political opponents, like Obama did. Remember, Obama used the FBI to trail journalists. He went after the Tea Party movement. Nobody went to jail for those outrageous abuses of power. So why wouldn't they do it all again? If they do it all again, I think the American people will just say that's corruption and that's wrong. And he's about to militarize the IRS again like his, uh, like the man he was vice president for. Matt, uh, good luck in your meeting today. Uh, be prepared to pay for lunch, okay, because it's a club. It's a for-profit organization, okay? <laughs> Let me tell you, whatever it takes to, uh, to make America great again, okay, Brian? You got it. Matt Schlapp, thanks so much. All right, take right. Care. he's going to go meet with uh, the former president today. one 408 7669 Back with your calls. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. So I'll just say this. You know, I um, I put out a statement. I wrote that statement. It is, you know, it was an, an honest mistake, and I I have apologized for it. Um, I think that we have specifically not gone forward and penalized businesses where they're trying to do the right thing. It's those that have flouted and put people's safety at risk that, um, you know, are the most concerning. But... I don't know that there's a, a lot more for me to add at this point in time other than those uh, former Spartans, or I guess you're a Spartan for life, who know the establishment should be aware that it's now a restaurant, and they have pretty good pizza. Okay, hysterical. Uh, that's Governor Whitmer, uh, one of the most overrated leaders. Among Democrats, she's a rock star. She was going to be the running mate of Joe Biden. He wanted her. He likes her. And when she said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that, you really should pick somebody of color, or she didn't want to do it, period, didn't think he could win. Who knows? But he, she went ahead and picked Kamala Harris, a woman he clearly doesn't like and has been totally incompetent as an attorney general, did nothing, as a Senate candidate, as a senator, did nothing, and as a vice president, refuses to do anything. Uh, so and was a terrible candidate. But I digress. Why we played that? 
Why I played that, because that is emblematic, in my humble opinion, of everything that's wrong with this coronavirus and these politicians. They put these restrictions on everyday Americans, whether you live your life or own a business, and they say no, no more than six people at a table, and if you're going to walk around, you wear a mask. Even though the pandemic is way in retreat, the numbers are way down, and vaccinations are way up. So they keep the restrictions in place, they hurt these business owners, then they go out to the very restaurant and they flout those restrictions and say, I'm sorry. What about the businesses that can't make ends meet, can't pay their staff, can't pay their mortgage, can't pay their lease because they can't max out their tables or people don't want to be restricted. She realizes how dumb those rules are when she broke them. The next day, she says those rules are out. Out. Restrictions are lifted. She's had nothing to do with being caught. Not true. He hops on a plane, goes to Florida because they know how to run that state and lied about it. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. What do you tell the American people uh, about what's going on? Should they be scared? Uh, I don't think so. The American people should not be worried or frightened by this. It's a very, very low risk to the United States. It isn't something that the American public needs to worry about or be frightened about because we have ways of preparing, of screening of people coming in, and we have ways of responding like we did with this one case in Seattle, Washington, who had traveled to China and brought back the infection. 590,000 deaths later, we had a lot to worry about. Now, you and I were surprised by this, but Anthony Fauci shouldn't have been. He knew people of the Wuhan virus. He knows people all around the globe who study this for a living. We don't know what the heck they're talking about. SARS this, MERS this. Oh, it doesn't usually be a problem. It's not usually a problem here. He hops on the Cats Roundtable, John Cassimatidis, who owns our great affiliate WABC, now, and, and they have this, uh, this conversation, and he lets everybody know there's nothing to worry about. Could he be any more wrong? And does he ever acknowledge how wrong he was? Never. That's part of the reason I believed while Dr. Nicole Sapphire wrote her brand new book, you know her as a Fox News medical contributor. Maybe she's your doctor. She's also the author of this book. It's called Panic Attack, Playing Politics with Science in the Fight Against COVID-19. Dr. Sapphire, welcome back to the show. Congratulations on the book. It's out today. Thank you so much, Brian. Happy to be on. Hey, uh, so I thought that would be the perfect setup. That's the beginning of us <laughs> trusting science and being totally let down. Can you bring us back to January of 2020 when that was recorded? Well, yeah, you know, Brian, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. You said a lot of us were surprised, even myself being a physician. But the, the one person who's pretty much tasked with um, being able to determine whether or not something is going to be an emergency or not uh, also had it wrong. And so... You know, you take, go back to January, and there wasn't a lot of information coming out. There was a lot of whisperings going on. You had whistleblower accounts out of China. You also had Taiwan and Singapore and some other smaller nearby areas sounding the alarms. But yet it seemed that Dr. Fauci and really the rest of the world were listening to what was coming from China, which now we know is obviously less than forthcoming information. 
So that put us on our heels. And he mentioned there's a case in Washington, and we were able to handle that, but we weren't. It was beginning to spread. And you have since told me part of the reason was we didn't know this thing called asystematic spread, which means I could have it, I could feel great, but I could also, I could feel great, have it, be spreading it unknowingly. And that's indeed what was happening because China never let us know the nature of this virus. Well, Brian, what I find to be appalling is the fact that the China and the World Health Organization, who was just echoing what was coming out of China, was continuously saying there was no sustained human-to-human transmission, meaning, yes, there were clustered cases, but the cases weren't out of control. They were confined to local spread. And so the fact that they were not raising the alarm by saying that there was sustained transmission told people that maybe this isn't going to be that contagious. So, yes, if you find one case, it's not going to be a big deal. But as we have come to now see, everyone infected with SARS-CoV-2 did not display symptoms. So, no, if you just have people doing temperature checks at the airport, that's going to miss like 50 percent of the cases, even more than that. Because even the people who get sick, there's the prodrome period where they have no symptoms. So, yes, there was a failure of screening initially. There was a failure in our ability to control it. But again, this all points back to the fact that, yes, there was bad information coming out of China or just no information coming out, but that our experts, our people who are tasked with looking at the information did not warn us. They did not realize. And if they did did realize, they didn't let us know. So is that why you put the book together? You could always write a medical book and give a perspective on a certain disease or experience or write about health care reform or Obamacare. But there was something about politics that mixed with medicine that really struck you. In what way? Listen, Brian, any physician can write about, any wellness expert can write about diseases and how to keep your body physically the best um, in strongest shape. But for me, what I saw occur over the last year and a half now was the, uh, the, you know, not only did it result in a failure of government, much of which is unavoidable in such unique disaster scenarios, but the rampant politicization of science from the origin to the simple concept of just face masks and lockdowns just completely divided the country. And it created an entire pandemic in itself of fear and hysteria, a lot of which didn't need to happen. And then you had even more division in the country because people started weaponizing science and cherry-picking the data to fit their narratives. So, yeah, it was – it was the whole thing was uh, – to me, I've been a series of letdowns. Number one, first the restrictions came in. The president of the United States gets up there and says, you know – uh, 30 days to slow the spread, 15 days to slow the spread. I don't even remember what day it was. So all of a sudden, we find ourselves in satellite studios. You, you, of course, out of your house. I was in a studio by my house. We're all separated. That's a responsible thing to do. The city becomes a ghost town. Every city does. So he said, all right, two weeks, what's the big deal? And then we see these different governors, governors some governors in Florida saying, go, go back. All right, we're ready to go back. Governor of New York says, not close. You're not going to do anything like that. We're gonna, I'm going to be in control here. I will decide everything. And the same thing with, with uh, the governor of Illinois, the same thing with the governor of, uh, of California, totally different in Texas. When did you realize that politics is getting in the way of science? Was that after the lockdown? Did it really strike you? Uh, Of course. I mean, first of all, the two weeks to slow the spread, I think that everyone, for the majority of the part, was on with that because there was a crisis at hand. And unfortunately, our inability to test 
for this virus really cut us off at the knees. And as hospitals were overflowing in the New York area, we were in a, in a time of crisis. So two weeks to slow the spread made sense. But unfortunately, it wasn't necessarily implemented correctly in the sense that you had people traveling all across the country. You had people now congregating indoors together, which spread the virus even more. And then the inability to remove restrictions when hospitalizations, cases, and deaths all started going down that summer proved that if you are not able to remove restrictions as things get better, people are going to start distrusting them. Thank and then you, you started seeing yeah. Mayor de Blasio out painting Black Lives Matter with the protesters in front of Trump Towers, yet he had the playgrounds with chain, chain links around that so children couldn't go out and play. And so you started to see hypocrisy happening. Yes, you can't do this, but you can do this because it's part of the social justice campaigns. And when you start doing that and you really fit uh, safety and science to fit narratives, you're going to see rebellion, and that's what occurred. Yeah, I mean, if, for example, if there's civil unrest, people, there's a curfew, you go by the curfew until the civil unrest has subsided. I remember dating back to 93 when I was in California. All right, fine. And then when you decide that, you know, if you have cancer, these are things you do to treat the cancer. That's what you do. You're not happy about it, but you get a doctor, you follow the orders. But all of a sudden, if you see other people with the same cancer as you doing something entirely different and living a much more fulfilled life, you go, wait a second, why are they doing this? I thought you told me to do that. And then you find out that maybe that doctor gets an incentive from the cancer center you send me to. Then I lose all trust in the medical profession. That's the analogy I use. But one that's more apropos for the pandemic is masks. In the beginning, we were told one thing, and then they flip-flop all over the place up until they told us to take it off last week. Listen. You can increase your risk of getting it by wearing a mask if you are not a healthcare provider. I believe there will be some very serious consideration about more broadening this recommendation of using masks. We're not there yet. World Health Organization and the CDC have reaffirmed is that they do not recommend the general public wear masks. You don't want to take masks away from the health care yeah. providers. But don't get a false sense of security that that mask is protecting you exclusively from getting infected. A face barrier can actually interrupt the number of virus particles that can go from one person to the other. And they now suggest that the general public consider wearing masks when they're going out in public. Although there appear to be some contradiction of you were saying this then and why you're saying this now, actually the circumstances have changed. So, I mean, I get angry just hearing that. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Nicole Sapphire, our guest, her book out, Panic Attack Today, Playing Politics with Science in the Fight Against COVID-19. And I'm telling you right now, people are listening to us and they're squeezing their steering wheel because of the mixed messages and how their life has been altered. Well, Brian, I have to be honest. I break the mask debate down to the most minutia of the data and science. So if anybody has, wants answers on mask debate, it's in the book. Good. But here's the thing. Just as when we had Dr. Fauci, CDC, WHO saying nobody should be wearing masks in the general public, you go from that to saying everyone needs to be wearing a mask at all times, whether you're indoors, outdoors, whether you're distancing, whether you're not. I mean, it, that was beyond ridiculous. And they're still doing that. Now, Brian, there has been a role. Masks have 
played a certain role when it came to this pandemic, but not as big of a role as you'd like to think. Certainly not when you're outdoors walking, should you be wearing a mask or even outdoors dining or just in a group, because as we know, less than 0.1% of transmission of this virus likely occurred outdoors. Yet the CDC still won't say that children can take off their mask outdoors. That is the most preposterous anti-science recommendations that are still occurring. And this is what I'm talking about. They put forth these recommendations, these restrictions, and they're having a very difficult time rolling them back. And I don't understand why, because we have ample data showing that they're wrong. I I feel like you're exasperated, Dr. Sapphire, by your by your industry, by your, by your, I feel like you're like you, I, you feel, I, even though you're the expert, I feel you, your frustration too, through this book. Am I right? I mean, of course. And that's why I had to write it because I feel like I have walked on this tightrope for the last year that if I truly do my own research, sifting through the data, come up with my own conclusions, I had to be careful because a lot of my conclusions go against the grain. They go against what popular opinion said. Just like last summer when I said, hey, you know what, an accidental lab leak, that's a very plausible occurrence, given the information that we have out of Wuhan and knowing the, the research that was done. I was criticized by the media. The fact that I continue to say I do not believe children should be, young children should be in face masks, whether they're outdoors, I actually think they masks need to be taken off indoors too and i have the data back that up and so and i also get criticized when i say hey why is no one acknowledging natural immunity just because you said you acknowledge the reality that natural immunity helps to get to herd immunity that doesn't make you anti-vax that just means you look at the science and you're referring of course to Rand paul getting criticized because he says i have the antibodies i'm not getting vaccinated Exactly. So I sent a tweet about that. I said, Rand Paul saying that doesn't mean he's anti-vax. It just means that he's actually reading the science. And of course, I get criticized for that. How could you do that? You're a doctor. You have to promote the vaccine. I'm like, of course, anyone who's watched me the last six months, I have encouraged anyone and everyone to get the vaccine that wants it. But just because I also acknowledge natural immunity doesn't make me anti-vax. I want you to hear what Dr. Scott Atlas said last night to Laura, cut 14. I actually think it, it's, uh, I'm not sure it's irreversible, but there's been serious damage done, not just to the politicization of science that we have all seen during this pandemic, but the, the credibility of experts, the seeking out of the truth, and now what seems to be uh, really corruption, uh, if not financial, at least in a moral sense, at the leadership of our, were the gems of the United States, the research and the science agencies were, like I said, the envy of the world. So I think there's some serious uh, damage here. These people are not just incompetent. It's worse than that. So that's the sense. There may be, they might even be corrupt. Well, there's certainly no incompetence when it comes to Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, and many of these other leaders. What else is influencing their decisions and their inability to admit when they're wrong? You know, I don't know. And I'm not going to pretend to know. Um, I I think that one of Dr. Fauci's biggest errors right now is that he has continuously um, been unable to say, I was wrong. And this is why he continues to put it on. Well, I wasn't I didn't think that you could handle what I was ready to say. 
And he said that in terms of face masks, in terms of herd immunity. And unfortunately, when you have billions of dollars being given to the medical and academic and scientific industry by the government, you're going to have Mm -hmm. some integration of politics and science. And that is going to be the downfall of science. You talked about the inability of Mitty's wrong. You want more proof as if the mask wasn't enough? Listen to Dr. Fauci. Are you still confident that it developed naturally? No, actually, no, I'm not convinced uh, about that. I think that we should continue to investigate what went on in China until we find out, to the best of our ability, exactly what happened. But what did he say first? The mutations that it took to get to the point where it is now is totally consistent with a jump of a species from an animal to a human. Okay. Well... So, you know, Brian, what's interesting? So in for my book, I really broke down the sequence. I called every virologist I knew, and I talked about those mutations that were specific to SARS-CoV-2. And yes, while they can occur in nature, they were also being performed in research being done at the Wuhan lab, as well as other labs throughout the world. And so, again, just because there's a suspicion there, it doesn't mean that it's proof. But for him to say that this is absolutely 100% is only can occur in nature, He knows that's not true. He knows that's not true. But I think, you know, maybe he just wanted to prevent any sort of conspiracy theories. But again, conspiracy theories aside, you can't neglect reality. Listen, you're a lot more patient with him than I am. I have no respect for him. He has misled and hurt this country intentionally or not more than uh, more than you than than he'll ever understand. But your book is helping. Please pick it up. It's called Panic Attack, Playing Politics with Science in the Fight Against COVID-19. And when's the special, Dr. Sapphire? The special is going to be, we haven't actually formally announced it, but here it is. But the special will be airing on Fox Nation next Tuesday and on Fox News Channel the following Sunday. Nice. Dr. Sapphire, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. And congratulations. Back in a moment. Questioning everything. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Well, this this uh, virus that was taken from that cave, it's called RATG13, is the closest known genetic relative to SARS-CoV-2. It's probably not the backbone of SARS-CoV-2, but we know that people, researchers from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, had multiple trips to that mine and collected many different viruses, including bad coronaviruses, and it's possible and even quite likely Um, that there were other viruses, possibly even more closely genetically related um, to SARS-CoV-2. But what's happened? The the databases from the Wuhan Institute of Virology have vanished. No one has access to them, including this international committee that said they were going to the Wuhan Institute of of Virology and, and, uh, and asking questions. And this guy, Peter Danzig, is the only American that is allowed in there. If you look at his feature in 60 Minutes, he said there's nothing there. It didn't happen at the Wuhan lab. But he's the only American the Chinese would let march around because the theory is, I've never met him, but it's circumstantial evidence reveals that this guy is totally 
sold out to China. The money that that he gets is from China. So uh, the the grants given over there is something that is going to be in jeopardy if they come against the Wuhan Institute. So he's never going to say anything. That's not going to stop Jamie Metzl, who was on our show in April and made those startling revelations, and he's been pushing forward. Last night he was on with Tucker, and Tucker uh, rightly said this is the first time we had you on. But you have everything to do with being one of the first people to put up a red flag and say, check out that Wuhan Institute. Tom Cotton was the very first, and he was ripped globally and locally and domestically, not by us. Uh, And we'll talk to Tom Cotton later in the week. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeade.com. Get Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Got a big hour coming your way. Got to get into police reform with one of the best in the business that makes it all make sense. Heather McDonald, senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, contributing editor at City Journal and author of books, The Diversity, Delusion, and The War on Cops. David Harsani will be with us, too, a senior writer for National Review and syndicated columnist for The New York Post. His new, his latest article, New Progressives, uh, Now Progressives Are Whitewashing Anti-Semitic Attacks. That was happening up until Monday when there was a rash of con- condemnation on the anti-Semitic attacks. They were just looking the other way. It was so bizarre. And this just in. Uh, Vladimir Putin will meet with President Trump uh, in the middle of June. Uh, they don't really want to accomplish anything. They're just going to list a bunch of things. They just want to get to know each other and establish trust. That's always worked so well with Vladimir Putin. New York Post story Philly figures right into this story, too. Uh, David Harsani wrote about what does Vladimir Putin have on Joe Biden, because so far President Biden has given uh, Vladimir Putin everything he wants. Number one, when it comes to number one, when it comes to this missile agreement, President Trump ripped it up and said, you're not abiding by it. we got to redo it. Biden says we're going back to it. And then allowing Nordstrom 2 to stream its way right through Western Europe. We're trying to protect them. Meanwhile, they're getting hooked on cheap Russian gas and oil. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. They are not being put in the hotels as a staging ground for removal which is how hotels were used in the past, albeit sparingly. The hotels are being used as reception and welcome centers. It's sick. Stephen Miller, former advisor to President Trump, just a bad idea. Moving illegal immigrants to hotel rooms, long-term. Allowing the border to be overrun, long-term. Not paying attention to it. Giving the vice president of the portfolio, she does nothing. She hasn't even visited one of the countries that are crashing our borders yet. Number two. We continue to work on the process, and I think it's, we had good, good progress over the weekend, I thought. And we made a lot of progress over the weekend. Um, we, still have, we still have a lot of work to do. Senator Scott and Cory Booker doing a deal. Why does police reform, uh, why police reform is close and infrastructure isn't, and why we should be worried about both? Number one. Well, it's striking to hear Jen Psaki say that the Biden administration is really pushing uh, to get more information about this by pressing the WHO, whose record on this whole issue has been appallingly bad and was one of the leaders in dismissing the theory that the virus could have emanated from that Wuhan lab. 
Uh, there you go. Uh, Brit Hume weighing in. The search for the true origin of the pandemic is suddenly getting national attention now. Why? The Biden administration is ignoring it, saying that it's up to internationals to do it. Well, if they punt on this, it'll be as bad as when they punted on the border. It is not going away. And we've been discussing it here with great pride, by the way. I mean, I, I, I have been endlessly interested in how this pandemic happened. In order to stop the next one, virologists have told us we have to figure out this one, how it started and how to stop it. We were, we were woefully unprepared because we did not know it was about to hit us. 590,000 deaths later, millions of cases we're still recovering from, cost us billions of dollars, and Donald Trump is presidency. We're at where we're at right now. Now we have $33 trillion in debt, and the country that recovers the quickest, China, still has not told us how it happened. So here's Jamie Metzl. He is the former advisor, still current advisor of the WHO, former Clinton official, who's been on with us along the way, letting us know this is we are not being told the truth about the origins of this virus. Cut to. I knew it was complete baloney to say that the pandemic started in the Wuhan wet market when 40 percent of the earliest cases had no contact with the market. And as somebody who understood China, I, it really raised a lot of alarm bells when China was so aggressively peddling that fake story that the, that the uh, pandemic started, the outbreak started in the market. And then what really upset me was in February of last year, there were a group of eminent scientists, including Nobel laureates, who had a letter in The Lancet, the eminent scientific journal, where they said that it is certain or almost certain uh, that the pandemic has a natural origin and anybody who suggests otherwise is a quote unquote conspiracy theorist. Yeah, and that is not true. Tom Cotton was the first. President Trump picked up on it later. And yesterday, President Trump was asked about this from uh, Dan Bongino on his uh, new radio show, which is seen on Fox Nation. We're being seen on Fox Nation right now. So if you have the app, go get it. Here's what he said. Cut 15. I think you can yeah. take the word potential out that it came from the lab. Frankly, I think it came you're, from the lab. Without you're the incredible. I have very little doubt, and I mean very, very little doubt, came oh, from the lab. So there you go. And well, Donald Trump just makes things up. He's not following the science. No, the person not following the science were the scientists in America because they were playing politics. And the politicians, who Donald Trump still is not, were just getting down to the bottom line. Yeah, did President Trump make mistakes during the way? Absolutely, of course. But I don't really think President Biden letting scientists make their announcements and making their policy through interview questions is also the way, because I'm not too pleased with what I'm hearing, especially where out of nowhere, no more masks, you're vaccinated inside, outside, don't worry about it. I knew that. You knew that. But we didn't expect two days prior, when she's on Capitol Hill with a mask on, that all of a sudden she was going to change her mind. Now I'm talking about the CDC director. Remember, more on this conspiracy things. This is from CBS. Cut three. COVID's closest known relative in the natural world, a 96% genetic match, was ID'd here in horseshoe bat droppings in 2013. In a copper mine in this hazy, rolling countryside of China's southwest Yunnan province. Our CBS News team searched for it where six men contracted a novel flu-like virus in 2012. Three died. Before we found that mine, we found this. Angry men shouting at us to leave. 
We've uh, just been chased off uh, away from where the mine is. These guys are proof that they're trying to control the people who go in and therefore trying to uh, control the information that comes out. Why would, why would they be so worried about that? Well, that was March of 2021. So when we had Jamie Metzl booked, we played this clip for him from CBS, just thinking, of course, he probably didn't get up Saturday morning and watch it. And here's what he said, cut five. Well, this, this uh, virus that was taken from that cave, it's called RATG13, is the closest known genetic relative to SARS-CoV-2. It's probably not the backbone of SARS-CoV-2, but we know that people, researchers from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, had multiple trips to that mine and collected many different viruses, including bad coronaviruses, and it's possible and even quite likely um, that there were other viruses, possibly even more closely genetically related um, to SARS-CoV-2. But what's happened? The, uh, the databases from the Wuhan Institute of Virology have vanished. No one has access to them, including this international committee that said they were going to the Wuhan Institute of Virology and, and, uh, and asking questions. And that is why the WHO does a report and says this is not complete. More needs to be done because they were blocking the experts every step of the way. Peter Danzig, an American, not upset by it. Jamie Metzl is. If you want to see more on this, I don't necessarily want you to go to 60 Minutes, but you could see the feature on there. So you listen to my show. Thank you. But also to understand that this is a debate that's widening. And the first thing everybody looking at this should do is apologize to the Tom Cottons of the world, the Jamie Metzels of the world, the Glenn Greenwalds of the world, the Dr. Nicole Sapphires of the world that said, I'm not believing this whole bat story. The wet market story, it makes no sense. I don't want to take too much time away from Heather McDonald, but I want to further set the table for her. She's a law enforcement expert. They're talking about law enforcement reform sometime in the next two weeks. Tim Scott's is as, as, um, uh, as ethically grounded as anybody you'll meet. Cory Booker seems to be coming at this from the way he used to approach being a mayor of New Jersey, trying to get something done, not like the presidential candidate who was pure phoniness. But when they talk about reforming, the police. They're also responding to the riots over the summer. And there was nonstop, not supported because of Black Lives Matter built off what happened a year ago. Today, George Floyd lost his life. Floyd family being invited to the White House. They're talking about what has taken place. So far, everything that's taken place has been bad. Uh, Police are leaving. They're not respected. Uh, Their budgets have been cut. Um, They are not signing up for the academy. And the people that are paying the greatest price are working-class people living in urban environments. And when Black Lives Matter moved forward, everybody poured money to help out the cause because everybody wants racial equality. And they thought maybe Black Lives Matter was up for the task. But even though they have zillions of dollars, so far so not so good. This is Maj Tory last night, founder of Black Guns Matter, about what he's seen with BLM. Cut 25. The white liberal is the most dangerous thing to the black American ever. White liberals are behind and funding this anti-family, anti-nuclear family unit, anti-strong father in the household movement that has been morphed into something that has been very detrimental for our community. If you want to tell me that, you know, hey, we're going to be helping you, but we have to control all of the money, we got to funnel it through Act Blue, I question you. 
The money will make a man change gods. And if we keep following that money, we're going to see all of the white liberals and, and a sprinkling of some of the black folks that bought million-dollar homes off some of that bread. Yeah. Right. We're going to see that. But, nah, the liberals is running that, and that ain't for the hood no more. We got our own work to do. You want to support something? Support Black Guns Matter. We actually do what we say we're going to do with the money. <laughs> when we come back, more on this so-called police reform that's being worked on in Washington, what I'm worried about when Heather McDonald wants to weigh in on and then put a perspective on uh, what's going on with anti-Semitic attacks in this country, what's going on with the Biden agenda, where everything that you're paying for today and tomorrow and through the weekend uh, is much more money from eggs to gas to oil, everything that you pay for, uh, commodities. Inflation is stealing money from you on a daily basis, and it only happened when Joe Biden took office. We'll talk about that in just a moment. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We made a lot of progress over the weekend. Um, we, still have, we still have a lot of work to do. But the great thing about this bill is that that everybody wants to get something really meaningful done. Um, and I was grateful for the amount of work that we got done over a weekend. I'm gonna I'm gonna be pulling long days uh, all this week in hopes that we uh, uh, by the time we come out of the weekend we have uh, we have more and more of this framework being put together. Well, there you go. That was Cory Booker saying he's very pleased with the progress he's making with Tim Scott, uh, Republican side. And they think as though they're going to get to something a little bit past the deadline that Joe Biden wanted. But what are they going to get? Is it going to be qualified immunity? That means you can go sue a cop personally, privately, if you don't like the way he or she treated you. Are there going to be no-knock warrants? Are they going to be part of history now? Is that going to be acceptable to you? Uh, I want to see more funding, more training, uh, uh, more de-escalation, whatever it needs to make the smallest and biggest departments uh, better. Is that going to be the case, or is this going to be pure politics? Heather McDonald joins us now, senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, contributing editor at the City Journal and author of the books, The Diversity's Delusion and the War on Cops. Heather, thanks for joining us. I wanted, from what you're hearing, do you think this police reform is going to make things better? No, I don't, because it's being carried on in a narrative, under the name of a narrative that is completely false which is that we are living through an epidemic of racially biased police shootings of black men. That is not true, Brian. It's an optical illusion based on selective press coverage. Uh, And so many features of this bill uh, are premised on the idea that any kind of disparate impact in law enforcement must be due to police racism as opposed to the greatly different rates of violent crime commission. So when you hear qualified immunity, uh, where they're debating that, well, we'll sue a precinct instead of a person, is that a compromise you could sign on to? Uh, well, you know, the, the 
Bill, Bill de Blasio invoked qualified immunity to try and not be liable for a, a lawsuit brought against the NYPD for its handling of the protests over and riots over George Floyd. Teachers enjoy qualified immunity. It's rather ironic that the one public sector group that is routinely making split-second decisions under extraordinarily difficult situations that none of us could possibly manage is being stripped of the protection of the law, of, of you know, the way qualified immunity works. If an area of the law is confused, if judges are, are disputing over it, then a police officer cannot be held retroactively to have violated a muddy area of the law. That is a reasonable doctrine. So again, the problem is is that we've been having this conversation about phantom police racism, Brian, for the last four decades in order not to talk about a far more serious problem, which is extraordinarily elevated rates of black crime. This bill is not going to change that problem. The thing that will change that problem is talking about fathers, talking about re-knitting the family in minority communities, talking about personal responsibility, not getting involved in, in gangs. It is, it is astonishing to me that the media continues to talk about the police when every single day nearly two dozen blacks are getting gunned down in drive-by shootings, not by the police, not by whites, but by other blacks. They're just out of sight, out of mind. Which is, which is unfathomable to me. Uh, that's what Leo Terrell brought up yesterday. So uh, we're looking at this right now, but if you come out and say, well, it's because there's so much uh, crime in the black community, you're racist, right? Right, absolutely. But I'm sorry, the facts are the facts. Uh, and, you know, the, the people that are suffering from this, in, in Minneapolis, we're now at the one-year anniversary of George Floyd. Nineteen children have been shot since the start of this year. Uh, in the last three weeks, a 10-year-old boy, a 9-year-old girl are on life support. Their brains were shattered in drive-by shootings. Then a 6-year-old girl was shot in her mother's car. She died two days later. Al Sharpton went to Minneapolis on Sunday, led a march. He did not go to the hospital where those children are now on life support. Nobody talks about this. I'm not going to be cowed by the charge of racism. The racism is in the mainstream media that doesn't give a damn about black lives unless they've been shot by a cop. I can guarantee you this. If white children were gunned down at the rate of black children, there would be a national revolution. The media would be covering it every day. The media doesn't care about black lives unless they fit their narrative. I, I can't argue with you. The other thing is, too, the police are the last line of defense, and they're the first one to provide discipline oftentimes, and they're getting the most scrutiny. So lastly, when, when you look at what police do, what would help? I would love more training. These smaller, part, these, the, these smaller stations in these smaller towns, they can't afford to pay cops what they deserve and get the training that they need. Brian, you're absolutely right. The cops are desperate for it. I know cops in Chicago who pay for their own hands-on tactical training. They need realistic, scenario-based training in, in New York, which is sort of the gold standard. They've got a whole village that's been created that cops go through. They learn how to take cover, use tactics. They need, they need training in de-escalation. They need training in stress control because, again, these shootout situations are of an enormous stress. Every, every physical system in your body is just pumping at high adrenaline levels levels. So yes, give them more training. Do not give them implicit bias training, which of course is the Biden administration uh, uh, fetish. I, know. I went to a, a 
uh, implicit bias training in Chesterfield, Missouri, outside of Ferguson several years ago. It was an insult to cops' intelligence. It is a total waste of money. But, yes, give them the tactical training. Heather McDonald, we're going to talk to you along the way. You're the only one who makes sense. Thank you so much. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Really, really surprised at this for all of Biden's talk about being tough on Russia and Putin. It's really strange when you look at this, Maria. I mean, you don't have to be great at math to look at this. Joe Biden kills the Keystone Pipeline. (laughs) Russia wins. The Colonial Pipeline gets shut down by Russia. Russia wins. And now the response from the Biden administration is to give Vladimir Putin a brand new shiny natural gas pipeline, Nord Stream 2. Russia wins again. So it's really hard to believe how we've gone from America first to America worst in such a short period of time. And that is John, uh, John Radcliffe, who was former DNI, uh, DNI guy, and uh, he saw all this, and he said that, you know, that for the longest time, uh, Trump's been accused of uh, kowtowing to Russia. Well, when you look at the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which gets Western Europe cheap gas and oil, gets them addicted, and gives, them, gives Russia control of their energy, you wonder, why did Joe Biden greenlight it? Why did Trump stop it? And why does Trump have the reputation of giving it to Vladimir Putin? By the way, Vladimir Putin and Joe Biden will meet. Uh, I think on June 16th they'll have a summit. They don't plan on accomplishing anything, just talking about a lot. David Harsani is a senior writer for the National Review, syndicated columnist. And one column they wrote recently is perfect for this topic. What does Vladimir Putin have on Joe Biden? David, people are exasperated by by Biden giving in. First on the missile agreement. Remember his boss right away took missile defense out of Western Europe. And now they do this. What's going on here? <laughs> well, Joe Biden has a long history that, you know, even before Trump ran for president when he was vice president of being of kowtowing to, to Russia, frankly. I mean, he was the driving force behind the so-called reset. Um, he was, you know, his staff and others that he um, you know, his intellectual sort of backing were mocking mocking Mitt Romney when Mitt Romney was talking about the Russian geopolitical threat. It's only because Donald Trump uh, said some nice things about Putin, which I don't actually love. But, you know, as far as policy goes, he was as tough or tougher than Obama or than Obama on Russia. And, and by the way, he was the one who gave uh, lethal weapons to Ukraine. Yeah, he sold. He opened the sale of, of lethal weapons. He allowed um, he sold to, I think, Poland and the Czech Republic sort of uh, missile defense systems that Russia are against. Uh, he kept many sanctions against the not all sanctions, but many sanctions against the Russians in place. In fact, um, it was the Obama administration under Biden who worked against a lot of those sanctions. And one of those sanctions, the Congress had to override the Biden administration, I believe. So it's not some new history. I mean, Joe Biden has had a long relationship with Putin. He might say the right things, but when it comes to policy, he's always been pretty uh, lenient. So what do you think, Putin, now they're going to meet June 16th, one-on-one, he allows the Nordstrom pipeline to continue, which is abhorrent for our national security, and for Germany to even want it is nuts. I mean, to me, they're not even looking at their own national security. So having said that, uh, what do you think it gets accomplished on June 16th when Vladimir Putin made that statement, I wish Joe Biden good health, and I mean that? 
Well, we should just for to go back one second, the German thing, you know, they actually had a very successful nuclear program that gave them the sort of clean energy that they supposedly want and, and made them, you know, and they were self-reliant on, on a large part of their uh, electric, electrical capacity, et cetera. And now they are uh, deciding to move to natural gas, which we have. And obviously, as someone mentioned before, uh, Biden, you know, Biden immediately uh, shut down the, you know, the, the pipeline. So um, I understand why Germany wants to do it in a sense. They want cheap energy, fossil fuel energy to become reliant on Russia, though. That doesn't make much sense, I guess. Right. Um, what will. Yeah. I mean, what what will they get accomplished? They probably won't get accomplished much. But whatever Biden is going to say or do, if Trump would have done the same thing when he if when he met with Putin, you could assume that everyone would be embracing all kinds of conspiracy theories about how he was under the control of Putin, whereas Biden is going to be much more uh, obsequious, I think, when, when it comes to uh, these negotiations. It's crazy. Uh, it's just an obs- observation when it comes to foreign policy. Remember what Bob Gates said. He's been wrong on every major national security issue uh, in his lifetime. And this now he's in control. He's got the keys. Yeah, I mean, think about Israel and uh, think about the the peace agreements that were made bypassing and circumventing Palestinians. It may, you know, they mock it because the Palestinians are still and Hamas is still involved in violence. But the truth is, those agreements are actually going to hold despite what just happened, because they're good agreements that help uh, make the the Middle East a more peaceful place. They have not. The Iran deal, which was which blew up under their belts. And, you're, you know, Biden has been wrong about almost everything from 1973 on. And yet, you know, they treat him like a serious person and they they talk about Donald Trump, who has was had a very successful foreign policy more than any other policy. Perhaps his foreign policy was successful. Um, you know, I came for being simplistic. Well, who's being? Yeah. So, David, uh, the other uh, we're going to get you back. But uh, David Hassani is senior writer for the National Review. He's got a book coming out, too. He writes for The New York Post. You see his columns. But uh, in his National Review article, he talks about how progressives are whitewashing anti-Semitic attacks. Also, can we also point out, Eric, if we could pull it up, how they disagree with each other on their loyalty to one of our key allies, Israel. Listen to the debate they're having. Palestinians aren't going anywhere, no matter how much money you send to Israel's apartheid government. Israel is a democracy, the only Jewish state in the world, and our friend and ally. Many members of Congress have instead fallen back on a blanketed statement defending Israel's airstrikes against civilians under the guise of self-defense. These terrorist organizations do not care about people or peace. They seek only to destroy the Jewish state. Israel has every right to defend herself. So that's a little bit of the debate going on Capitol Hill. What happened to the Democratic Party? God, I, I, you know, they've adopted the far left view of the Middle East, which is uh, just, you know, a lie. The Israelis do not target civilians. Hamas hides behind civilians, and Israel has precision targeting of Hamas. If anyone uh, is involved in war crimes, it's Hamas hiding behind civilians when firing rockets at other civilians. It is it is historically incorrect and po- incorrect as policy to say that Israel is an apartheid state when it is nothing of the sort. Israel has an Arab population, I think 50 percent of the population that vote and involve themselves in politics and have more liberal rights than any Arab country or Muslim country, frankly, in the world. So these are just le- nonsensical leftist talking points that are being normalized. And that is a dangerous situation, as you see, because it is now 
Jeez. Yeah. And, and listen to this. This guy, Amar Zahir, you might not know him, but know what he does. He's a former Bernie Sanders surrogate and Rashida Tlaib ally. Listen to what he said about the rash of anti-Semitic attacks. I think over the last two weeks are up 190 percent. Listen to his take. Cut 34. This is a message to all the activists and leaders out there that are condemning anti-Semitism and condemning terrorism right now. Stop it. Stop. You are not helping all right you are playing their games it's a distraction we've been condemning anti-semitism for 20 30 40 years if they didn't believe us by now stop it stop it just stop it it doesn't help do you understand that mindset yeah he's an anti-semite i mean the 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 bottom line is he that guy i don't know his entire history but it's very unlikely in my opinion that he's been condemning anti-semitism for 20 years um when, you know, under the guise of anti-Zionism, you just have now anti-Semites being more and more open about what they feel. Um, if you wanted to condemn anti-Semitism, it doesn't undermine the Palestinian cause. If it does, there's something wrong with the Palestinian cause. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I understand that the guy just doesn't, you know, is an anti-Semite himself. Absolutely. David, tell me about your upcoming book. I have a book coming out called Eurotrash next uh, in, in the fall, and it's about how uh, many, many intellectuals in this country want us to adopt European ideas and uh, you know function as Europeans do. And I think that's a huge would be a huge disaster for this country. I think we we have a lot better ideas, and we should be going back to our roots, not trying to change who we are. It's it's hard to it's hard to understand why people want to blow up a first place team, but every day I feel like <laughs> we're fighting. Uh, uh, within our own roster, and it's so maddening, <laughs> and it's it's crazy. Uh, David, thanks so That's much a for great joining analogy. us. analogy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, go get him, David. Thank you. one 408 Back in a moment. Honest commentary, unique opinions, no agenda. It's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm all for helping Canada, and Listen, border states like Maine and New Hampshire and Vermont have been permitting Canadians to come across the border if they want to be vaccinated in the United States, uh, really since February. Um, and we're allowing folks to do that. And we're sending vaccine now um, to Canada. But if we believe that the vaccines work, then you have to allow people who have been double vaccinated to come into Canada. They don't present a risk. And so how can Canada ask us for our help but at the same time, not allow our citizens to go in. These vaccines are 90 to 95 percent effective. If they are, then we need to open the border between the United States and Canada for vaccinated people. And those people present their vaccination card. They should be able to go ah. to Canada. And I think Canada shouldn't be asking us for our help. Absolutely. And I 100 percent agree with Governor Christie. What are you shutting down our border for uh, putting our people up for two weeks into quarantine when we have the vaccine there, if our people are vaccinated. In fact, I talked to somebody uh, this weekend when a, a college student had to go back, says, I'm not looking forward to going back. Said, why? Because they make me quarantine because I'm coming from America. I going to get vaccinated? Goes, yeah, makes no sense. Let's find out there's even more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. 
All right, here we go. Scientists uncover a clue that may lead to treatment for hereditary deafness in puppies. They are doing this at the University of Helsinki. They've discovered a gene defect responsible for the early onset of canine hearing loss in Rottweilers. My, I have a great Pyrenees, by the way, born deaf. His brother is fine. So, uh, study authors believe the breakthrough may lead to a greater understanding of deafness. Uh, the study reveals that uh, whatever gene defect that causes the hearing loss is a recessive hereditary trait. That means that in order for a dog to develop hearing loss, it must carry two copies of the defective gene. Way too much information. I just want to know, can you fix my dog? Yeah, but it looks like, you know, the good news would be that they can prevent this from happening in the future if they find out that each parent, the male, you know, the mother and the father has, if both of them have a gene in them, then they know it wouldn't be good for them to reproduce. Next, Joe Biden's administration reportedly authorizes BLM messaging and flying BLM flags at U.S. embassies. This is abhorrent. The Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, reportedly issued a directive to all diplomatic and consular posts in regard to May 25th. That's the day George Floyd died. Human Events is reporting this. The memo states the cable constitutes a blanket written authorization for calendar year 2021. That does not belong. It's an American flag. Domestic politics. Stay out of it. What an embarrassment. Unbelievable. Looking for confirmation on that. Tim Scott and Nikki Haley tap for speaking series on the future of the GOP. Two good choices. You know, uh, Tim Scott um, will appear in the speaking series. It's titled Time for Choosing. They'll be joined by a cast of conservative speakers, including House Speaker Paul Ryan, who recently came out from Adam Kinzinger, by the way, which is a thumb in the eye to Donald Trump, former VP Mike Pence, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and Tom Cotton. So you have a, a good mix here. You've got the people that aren't truly on Team Trump with people like Pompeo and Cotton that are uh, on the the big problem. Side. The big problem, Mike. If Mike Pence isn't on the Trump team, if Trump doesn't put him first, he's just being irrational. Mike Pence was the best vice president to Donald that Donald Trump could ever have chosen, and was awesome. Next, NBA releases a statement on why it chose not to discipline LeBron James. By the way, before we start it, I'm not buying it. They say to clarify, LeBron James briefly attended an outdoor event last week where participants were required to be vaccinated or return a negative test results. Under these circumstances, and in consultation with medical experts, it was determined that his attendance did not create risk created to COVID-19. Over the course of this season, there have been numerous similar violations of the league health policies, which were addressed when the players team in similar fashion. I don't know of any other similar fashion off the top of my head, but he appeared with Drake and others for a tequila release that he's an investor in. He will not say whether he's vaccinated or not. So to me, that's disappointing. Well, let's let's take it from this aspect. So say he's vaccinated, okay? This is a stupid rule then that the NBA would even have to enforce. But on the other end, you've got you've got the set of separate rules for the elite superstars like LeBron James and for the guys that are not as big or as popular or as big of a money draw. So where does that line come? I mean, if you're going to have law, rules, forgetting about whether you agree with the rules or not, if you're going to have rules for whatever it is. Right. Dumb rules. you got to stop, though, All right. preferential treatment. Thank you. Uh, Fox News is named network contributor on Fox Nation. You know her, Rachel Campos Duffy, the new host of Fox & Friends Weekend. This is a great move. Uh, Jediah Bila has moved on. Additional, another great move, Lawrence Jones has taken on a new post, Enterprise Reporter for Fox & Friends. I have never seen that title anywhere, but it is so appropriate because he is quite enterprising. He'll continue to fill in as co-host of both weekday and weekend shows. So Lawrence Jones, career on the march. What title would you, if you were to give yourself a self-anointed title, what would you call yourself? Overrated. Very overrated and overpaid. 
next. Uh, WWE will return live to live touring in July. Vince McMahon Wrestling Organization is finally ready to take on a 25-day tour. It's more than a year since WWE was hosted any events outside Florida. WWE took out one step towards normalcy by hosting 51,350 fans over two nights at WrestleMania 37 outdoors at Raymond James Stadium for Tampa. Now fans will be able to see superstars like Roman Reigns, Sasha Banks, uh, the famed Money in the Bank event will take place of a few days later at Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth on the 18th. So congratulations. The WWE has been killed because they need live events to survive. Without the live events beyond the monetary thing, it's the storylines that also suffer because now you can't tell if a guy no like Roman remembers. Reigns yeah. is getting over in popularity. We could also just watch the wrestling and find out who wins. That's also something to look forward to. Um, next, um, America. Well, I don't want to read that. It's a little bit too much of a downer. Uh, democratizing space from competitions to sending ordinary people to space to ambitious Mars landings and moon missions. Space is becoming accessible, according to Axios space editors. Why it matters? Jeff Bezos, Blue Origin, has auctioned off a seat in the first crewed flight to suborbital space. I'd love to do that if you guys want to pitch in next Christmas instead of the food that you get me and uh, and, and the various staples, my living stuff. Like we'll the, get a pool going. If you can, send me the space. We'll try to get you on who wants to be an astronaut. Right. Uh, the current high bid is $2.8 million. Guys start saving. Two comp- competition shows, Space Hero and Who Wants to Be an Astronaut, are in various phases of production. So that's pretty good news. Rich people trying to get other rich people into space. That's a goal. It and helps if, everyone. And if that's too expensive for you, you can wait for Virgin Galactic. They're only charging a quarter million. Really? Is that a real thing or is that a TV series? Virgin Galactic? Yeah. yeah that, that's, oh, that's the Virgin, Virgin Aliens. Yeah. Okay. Because I'd watch the TV series. I like the name. I know you're not into the reality, like being on a reality show, but would you, if given the opportunity, try out for who wants to be an astronaut? Well, if it could, give me, if it could save me $2.8 million, you guys were going to get me for Christmas uh, and the space seed, yes, I would do it. But I'm not sure I have the answers they're looking for. I'm not really good at science. I've never flown into space before. Did you watch Star Trek as a kid? Yes, but never live. I always watched it in syndication. Does that matter? I think as long as you know who Mr. Spock and Captain Kirk are. I never even saw a Star Wars. Is that a problem? But what I saw is very realistic Lost in Space. Yes, the robot was the most realistic part, and so was Dr. Smith. Right, and those arms were really great and effective. And if you are on a surface of the moon that isn't paved, you want to be on wheels. Two wheels. If you fall over, nobody can pick you up. Uh, I don't know who designed that, but I'm still talking about it, so it must have been a good enough series. Putting in black and white, not a good move. But I also liked Hazel. That's also not going to help me get a, spa- uh, a seat on the space station or a Galactica. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.